the second episode of European Talks, a podcast run by the European Policy Center, a Belgrade-based independent think tank. My name is Dusan Pjevovic and I will be your host today. In this episode, we will discuss Serbia's current position in the EU accession process, potential obstacles Serbia will face on this journey, the mood in European capitals regarding the future, and potential redefinition of EU enlargement policy. I am joined by Srđan Majstorović, the chairman of CEPS Governing Board. Srđan worked in the Serbian European Integration Office since its founding in 2004 and performed the role of Deputy Director between September 2005 and June 2017. Srđan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. What I find most fascinating about your career is that you've been a part of Serbia's EU integration process since 2001. Might sound like a cliche, you've pretty much seen it all. So let's jump into it right away. You spent the last couple of weeks attending different events in Paris and Brussels. There's a European Parliament election coming up. Brexit negotiations have stalled and EU member states seem more divided than they were before. What's the atmosphere in these European capitals and do they have time to think about enlargement? Well, that's a, that's a question of, um, of the greatest importance, I would say, at this particular moment, because it is obvious, uh, you can sense the atmosphere in these capitals that uh, issues uh, concerning um, the elections, forthcoming European Parliament's elections in May, uh, uncertainties regarding the, the Brexit um, uh, debate, which is ongoing about the future of Europe and uh, the future multi-annual financial uh, framework for the financing of the European Union are those topics which are influencing basically the whole uh, public um, public debate in these countries. Unfortunately, uh, we are living in a destructive age. Uh, a lot of uh, news that you can hear and um, uh, watch uh, uh, are being dubbed as, as a fake news. And it is becoming, uh, thanks to the technological ad- advancement, unfortunately, uh, to breed in a, a lot of these disruptive messages. Uh, I'm afraid that enlargement as a, as a very successful EU policy is um, part of this disruptive um, uh, narrative and environment and that it is going to be uh, used and abused in the f- forthcoming European Parliament's uh, elections. Knowing that, uh, obviously, there is a fear and uncertainty among the decision makers to address this um, uh, word that starts with the letter E. Enlargement is becoming um, a, a sort of a word which is not welcome in the, uh, on the eve of the European Parliament elections. I think that this is fundamentally wrong and uh, obviously uh, by um, deciding for technical and short-term gains not to talk about enlargement, European Union can face a strategic, um, I would say, uncertainties uh, and question marks regarding its own future. Um, quite a contrary to the current narratives within the EU, um, I think that it would be very wise to be proactive and to try to explain to, to the public that uh, enlargement uh, means more security, means more um, uh, personal security, if you wish. Uh, it means more secure uh, migration uh, flows when it comes to uh, both uh, illegal migrations, but also uh, migrations uh, um, of uh, the labor force. So uh, uh, all in all, uh, looking at the, the current situation, um, there is a, a dire need, I would say, for a, a much uh, more open and uh, 
honest dialogue uh, within the EU uh, member states, but also between the EU member states and the Western Balkan uh, countries, countries which are aspiring to become uh, a part of that future uh, European Union. There is a, a certain atmosphere that requires uh, a new reset uh, of, the, of the confidence on both sides, uh, but also uh, a new credibility that needs to be proven. Um, th this is especially, uh, um, I would say, right to claim in the case, for example, of Macedonia, uh, the country from the Western Balkans, these days known as the Northern Macedonia, who, who, who proved its credibility mm -hmm. and who uh, basically proved that um, these positive developments in the Western Balkans are, uh, are possible. Um, these positive developments needs to be addressed with the same uh, reciprocity when it comes to credibility on behalf of the EU and the message to Macedonian Macedonian citizens should be that the doors of the EU are open for those who respect their obligations. Interesting. Yeah, we'll get to credibility uh, towards the end. But right now, let me ask you, because President Macron has been very open in his opposition to further enlargement under the current set of circumstances, and I must highlight that. He didn't oppose it completely. Um, can enlargement wait for the union to be redefined, if it has to be redefined? And do you think that Serbian citizens have the necessary patience, given that the support for EU membership has kind of hovered around 50% in the last couple of years? Well, there, there are a couple of uh, things that needs to be uh, said. Um, first of all, uh, when talking about enlargement, we need to be very clear of um, the scale of enlargement. Um, when you put all the six Western Balkan countries together, their territory is smaller than the territory of Romania. <laughs> when you combine the numbers of the inhabitants of the citizens of these six countries, the numbers are again smaller than, than Romania. So in that sense, um, we need to be very cautious when analyzing um, uh, what particular politician has in mind when he's objecting further enlargement until the situation resolves. I think some other countries, uh, candidates uh, like Turkey, uh, with its almost 80 million people, are the, uh, the, the actual countries which are breeding that um, atmosphere, atmosphere of concern uh, within the EU and uh, the public. So uh, we, we need to be very careful. Um, the second part of your question, I, I would like to uh, remind our listeners that um, the, the, the history, the tradition of um, uh, the redefin redefinition of the EU uh, is closely connected with the process of enlargement. Uh, thus, I uh, uh, would like to invite all those who are making these decisions to, to be aware of that fact and um, to address the issue of re redefining the future of Europe uh, by um, simultaneously uh, discussing the issue of enlargement because uh, you cannot uh, redefine something and then tomorrow invite everybody to join the party if you did not redefine your uh, system, your decision-making process in line uh, with, the, with the expected uh, enlargement of the EU. So I, I think that these, these two processes should be perceived as uh, just a two sides of the same coin. And um, basically what, what we need in Europe is more self-confidence, I would say, and trust in the, in the joint uh, future. We are living in a, in a world where 
national sovereignties are uh, very limited. Uh, we are living in a world which is uh, basic, basically interdependent on what's going on in one part of the world uh, is influencing uh, the situation in, in another. And in that sense, uh, the EU has to perceive the enlargement process as its own strategic future development. Um, if we neglect the Western Balkan countries in, um, in the story of re redefining the EU, uh, we will open the door for um, some other interests uh, who, who uh, might welcome this um, unwillingness of the EU to engage closer uh, and stronger with the Western Balkans. And mind you, the Western Balkans are already part of right. the EU in numerous sectorial policies. Through their stabilization association agreements, we are part of the um, basically common market. We have completely liberalized our, our trade. Um, through the agreements like um, energy, uh, Southeast European energy uh, agreement, we are part of the EU energy policy. We are part of the EU transport community, and as such, we are contributing to the transport uh, policies within the EU. Uh, through the Single Sky document, we are contributing to the uh, safety of the Europeans when they're traveling, uh, uh, flying over the, the Western Balkans. So there are a lot of things which are connecting uh, Western Balkans with the EU, and it would be a shame to jeopardize, once again, I'm saying this, small or rather short-term and tactical gains uh, uh, to, 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 uh, to be persistent on, on, on these issues while strategic uh, future depends on the closer collaboration and closer cooperation of the Western Balkans with the EU. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. And then, I mean, you kind of, let's, let's focus on that a little bit. Um, you pretty much said that we, in a way, are part of the EU already. We, I mean, we're part of the common market, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what do you think is the biggest obstacle that Serbia will face in the EU integration process? And how can we address that issue or those issues, if there are more, what do you see as the? Well, there is no single, I would say, uh, a single issue to be resolved. There are numerous issues that needs to be addressed. Uh, obviously, um, the issue concerning the normalization of relations with Kosovo for Serbia is uh, one of the uh, most difficult, I would say, uh, parts of the equation of how to actually become the EU member state. It is obvious that without resolution of this conflict, the EU is not going to be re ready to accept the, uh, the Serbia as a, as a full-fledged member. Um, on the other hand side, it is quite natural that for the sake of the region and regional cooperation, Serbia needs to, to address this issue of normalization of uh, its relations with, with Kosovo because um, Serbian and Albanian community deserves that. Uh, and uh, um, we need to recognize the importance of this, uh, this moment in which Europe is today. It is one of these redefining moments where um, the, the history requires very wise decisions from the, from the leaders uh, uh, from our, our countries. Uh, obviously, uh, the leadership um, and leading by, by the hope is required in this particular moment, a leadership with a vision, a leadership that can um, uh, provide a positive example how cooperation between two communities can actually contribute to a broader 
societal gains and, and progress. And I'm afraid that at this moment, uh, um, apart from the Macedonian political elite, the others in the region are not actually recognizing this momentum, and I'm afraid that they're not helping in uh, uh, producing an atmosphere which is conducive uh, to the change which is required uh, in the region. Um, other set of requirements for Serbia where we are going to face a serious challenge is um, how to introduce and properly implement the, the rule of law uh, standards in, in our, uh, our society. I'm afraid that um, in the past couple of, uh, couple of years, Serbia has underwent uh, a very disruptive process in which uh, the integrity of the institutions and of the political system was under the question mark. Uh, we are engaged in a, in a political system that is becoming more and more uh, dependent on uh, informalities, on um, personalities, on decisions by individuals, rather than the respect of the integrity of the institutions, uh, rule of law, and proper implementation of um, the, the public uh, policies. This is a very, very uh, difficult uh, uh, challenge for Serbia. Uh, and the future and the quality of our membership in the EU will depend on our capacities to resolve these issues. Now, perhaps that, that, that might have been the, the first part of my, my answer, but uh, uh, there is another understanding of what exactly Serbia gains by the EU membership. And this is how do we perceive the EU membership in the e, uh, membership of Serbia in the EU? Do we perceive it as a, some sort of a final um, event in transformation of Serbia, um, which would be very wrong, or do we perceive it as a, as a perpetual, as a, as a constant process of uh, adjustments and, and changes uh, of our society, of our rules, of our institutions? It would be very wrong to believe that uh, the sheer you know, uh, entrance or rapprochement to the EU, becoming an EU member state, will resolve each and every uh, problem and issue that uh, burdens our citizens. It's, it's not simply true. The problem is, or rather the truth is, that um, the future of our society depends on our, on our vision of future Serbia, whether we are ready to, to become the EU member state and to continue together with other members uh, of the EU to change ourselves, adjust ourselves to the challenges of 21st uh, century. Right. That's, I mean, that's an interesting aspect of our culture in general, I think, that static view of the world. That's think, true. Yeah. Yes, you're right. So it's, it's definitely something we'll have to deal with, I think, culturally in general. But that, that's a topic in itself. It's a, it's a question of the changing of the mindset. It, it really is. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite positive that if uh, um, political leadership creates an atmosphere which is conducive to a change, if politi political leadership shows that uh, they're the first ones who are respecting the institutions and the rule of law, then Serbian citizens, Serbian society in general, uh, will become more con conducive to, to this understanding of uh, how things should be functioning in, um, in a, in a well-regulated well society, well-regulated country. So you see a big role for Serbian leadership in this entire process. I mean, because it's a two-way street, right? EU membership. Um, like who should take the first step? The EU already invests a lot of money into this region 
and um, we have been, shall we say, slow in this entire process. Um, do you think there's a feeling within the EU that we are not taking on enough commitment? Or how, how, what, where do you see that? Uh, you're completely right with your question. This is a question of, um, of credibility of two sides and uh, of um, basically um, respecting its, um, its commitments. Um, and I'm afraid that not only Serbia, but uh, the others in the region as well are failing to, to prove their credibility. Apart from Macedonia, as I said, they are doing great steps forward with this agreement, with the with PRESPA agreement with, the, with Greece. This is a sign that this is possible to happen in, in the rest of the region uh, as well. Um, but uh, the, 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 the fact is that, uh, and um, uh, this is, a, this is a, uh, how to put it, it's, it's a tru truism in a sense, that not only political uh, elites are those who are responsible because they are not be the one who are going to enter the EU without the rest of us. Uh, the fact is that the responsibility for the changes in our society is independent not only on the political leadership, but on citizens, on civil society organizations, on professional organizations who, who should provide their professional opinion, how to harmonize our legislation, how to create better institutions, how to make sure that uh, uh, the, the, the rule of law is actually implemented in each and every case uh, brought in front of the justice. Um, there I, I see a huge responsibility of the civil society as well. Mm. And in that sense, together with the European um, institutions, with the European Commission first and an utmost, uh, civil society organizations should create this uh, positive pressure, uh, argumented pressure, not the criticism per se, uh, or because, because of the criti criticism, but the argumented uh, uh, um, pressure uh, that should um, lead the governments in the, the right and desired uh, uh, direction. Well, we should nag them a little bit, eh? <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> um, so we've done a study here at CEP uh, that looked at different factors and why people support or don't support EU membership. Um, the number that we came up with through statistical analysis was 47%. 47% of people in Serbia support EU membership. Uh, Ministry of European Integrations uh, released a report last December and they got 55, I believe, or some, somewhere around there. Um, what can be done to boost people's support for membership? Uh, that's, a, that's a very difficult uh, question. Um, and obviously, if I knew the, the right answer, <laughs> we might have been in, in a different yeah. situation. Uh, but it is obvious that uh, citizens are uh, both afraid of uh, and um, both afraid and uh, not not informed uh, regularly about what exactly EU um, accession process uh, is actually all about. Uh, so there is a, a considerable lack of uh, of um, positive and constructive communication with regards to the effects of Europeanization of, of, of our society. Um, we need more positive examples of um, uh, resolution of, of these bilateral issues uh, in, the, in the region because um, 
you will remember that uh, the whole project about the integration of the EU was basically a peace project. Uh, it was a project uh, how to uh, get rid of the borders, uh, how to make them irrelevant for the free movement of people, of goods, services, capital. And um, this is something that is a, there is a very positive um, way to describe uh, how important the EU and its founding values are for the region. And uh, I would love to see more, um, how to put it, more ambitious uh, leaders and more ambitious policies within the region that should actually promote the region as a European region. That the Western Balkans should be perceived as a part of a, of a Europe, as a, as a European region that is capable to contribute in a constructive way to overall uh, EU policies. And in that sense, um, um, it is a perfect momentum for the leaders of the Western Balkan countries to sit around the table to say, okay, we have certain um, uh, things uh, which are dividing us, but we have a common future, and this is a huge resource. Uh, we are suffering of the sa from the same problems. We are suffering from uh, the um, uh, slower economic uh, growth than the rest of the, the Europe. We are suffering from the brain drain from um, the, uh, especially among, among the youth and educated. Um, and obviously we can do much better. So it's, in a sense, it is a perfect opportunity for those who are true leaders to put aside their differences and sit around the table and discuss the common future. Because if we fail to recognize the risks of the future, um, there will be no national borders that can save us from the brain drain, from the, I don't know, epidemic uh, diseases uh, uh, or environmental uh, risks, uh, which are transborder and which are basically uh, influencing the, the whole region. So in that sense, I'm repeating once again, it is a perfect moment for the Western Balkan leaders to sit around the table and in that sense, to send the, the right message to the EU, to the EU citizens as well, that uh, there are some winds of change uh, finally um, uh, being present in the region as well. Mind you, for all of your younger listeners, the winds of change was a very popular song <laughs> at the end of the 80s, which was basically a, a hymn, hymn uh, of uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, that um, that song was not uh, listened in the in a symbolical sense in the in the best possible sense uh, in the region at that time, and while uh, Berlin Wall was falling and the Europe started to unite, unfortunately the region uh, fell into dis disintegration and completely forgot the the importance of these winds of change. Some optimism in there for sure. But <laughs> of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, Stajan, thank you. This was very informative, very educational, and hope to see you soon. Thank you very much.